0: We're continuing this week in uh, looking at the miracles of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus last week and the miracles of Jesus this week, and there are many to choose from. Uh, Yesterday we looked at the healing of the man born blind, as you remember. Today uh, we're looking in Mark, Mark's Gospel, Chapter 5, the healing of the demon-possessed man different type of healing altogether. When Jesus and the disciples crossed the lake, they encountered a man with an impure spirit, which means demon-possessed, who lived in the tombs. Matthew chapter 8 says there were two men, but only one was talkative, it seems. He did all of the talking. The demons that possessed him had made him incredibly strong, we're told so that he could not be bound anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. A supernatural sort of strength, and I've heard of Situations like that even today, uh, where people are given supernatural strength in these circumstances. For a long time, he hadn't worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. Many times the impure spirit had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains And being driven by the demon into solitary places. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Self-harming as we would call it today. We're not told how the demons entered the man and took control, but possibly it was the result of his yielding to sin. Demons are unclean spirits and can easily get a foothold in the lives of people who cultivate sinful practices. Because he yielded to Satan, he lost everything. He lost his home, lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his decency as he ran around in the tombs naked. We're told that in Luke chapter eight. He lived like a wild animal, screaming and frightening citizens that might pass by. He lost his peace and he lost his reason for living. Missionaries sometimes encounter people like this today, who live among tribes who have become demon worshippers. In our modern societies, Satan usually ensnares people through addiction, addiction to drink, addiction to drugs, addiction to gambling, addiction to sexual immorality and perversion, addiction to violence. The apostle Peter calls the devil, who controls all of these demons, of course, a roaring lion who seeks to devour us. 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us that. When this man saw Jesus, he ran and fell on his knees and shouted at the top of his voice. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. And another gospel says, don't torture me before the appointed time. Jesus demanded to know the name of the demon. And he replied, Legion, for we are many. Now in the Roman legions, there were 6,000 soldiers in each legion. Whether that equates to the number of demons that had possessed this man, or whether it just meant a great deal of them, who knows. The demons begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. That's in Luke chapter 8, verses 30 and 31. The Bible doesn't tell us much about the demons, the demonic world, or especially the demons in prison, awaiting God's judgment, as this one obviously was. But in Revelation chapter 9, we read, I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. I don't think this means a literal star in this uh, particular case, talking about an angel. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. In the King James Version, the abyss is called a bottomless pit, a terrible place that we can't even begin to imagine a place where demons are incarcerated to await the great white throne judgment. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. It must have been thick. To obscure the sun. You can imagine, even with clouds in the sky, we can still see the sun shining through it, usually, but... The name of the angel of the abyss, the king of the abyss, if you like, in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apollyon, and both those words mean destroyer. He is not a friend of anyone. He is not a friend of us. He was not a friend of this man that he had possessed. It's interesting, isn't it, that the demons knew who Jesus was. And that he had the power to order them into the abyss. Because the abyss was a prison for demons beyond the physical realm. And it would be a place of torture, according to the demon. Don't torture me before the appointed time. A popular misconception among Christians is that hell is the home of the devil, who rules there, and God rules in heaven, and the devil and God are equal and opposite. But this is false, as God created everything, and he, God, is uncreated. We read in Colossians 1, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Wonderful, reassuring passage of scripture, telling us who and what our, our God is. This includes all the angelic beings like Satan, We read, uh, then war broke out in heaven. Michael, the archangel, and his angels fought against the dragon. This is in Revelation 12. And the, the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Satan, the serpent referring to the Garden of Eden experience where, where it was this, uh, a devil in, an, in a serpent that uh, tempted Eve to disobey God and to take the forbidden fruit. The ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels, demons, with him. Revelation 12. The demons realized they were out of options when faced with Jesus, the Son of God. And they begged him to allow them to go into a nearby herd of pigs. Jesus agreed. And the large herd of pigs, 2,000 of them, it says in one of the accounts, rushed down the steep hill into the lake and were drowned. When the owners of the pigs came out to see what had happened, they found the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting, dressed, and in his right mind. The man begged to go with Jesus as he left with his disciples. But Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, ten cities in the area, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. We we came up against that word yesterday, didn't we, when Jesus did a miracle. And we read a lot about amazement. People were amazed. And you'll recall I, I mentioned that It's not enough to be amazed at the miracles of Jesus. That doesn't save anyone. That doesn't deal with anyone's need and anyone's sin. There has to be more than amazement. There has to be repentance, and there has to be faith. Then the owners of the pigs and the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. Did you think I was going to say they pleaded with Jesus to stay a bit longer and tell them more about God and perform more wonderful miracles? No, they just wanted rid of Jesus. They had just lost 2,000 pigs, an enormous uh, asset to the people of that day. The Lord Jesus had performed another amazing miracle in the life of the demon-possessed man, and he was forgiven and restored by putting his faith in him. But what happens to the devil and his demons in the end? Will they ever see Jesus again? As a thought for today, I thought I would finish by just reading a, a chapter of Revelation which tells us what happens to these demons who cause such havoc in the lives of people in this world. It's Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, the bottomless pit, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison. The abyss there, we're told, is a prison. And will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Dog, and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they're like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves, which is, of course, Jerusalem, although it doesn't say that in the text there. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. God's fire. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. In chapter 19, we read of that. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's what God says the destiny is of these devils, including Satan himself, for the havoc that they have caused. In God's world and for rebelling against God. Remember these are fallen angels. They were not created like this. They became like this. Then John says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And we know who that was. It was the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that this demon had come face to face to, uh, with the man that he possessed. When he he left and went into the pigs, I wonder if it ever crossed his mind whether he would ever see Jesus again. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. It's interesting, isn't it, to read that as we live our lives in this world, there are angels in heaven recording everything we do, everything we see. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, no escape by being drowned. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them the dead spirits and the dead bodies in the grave. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Not according to what their neighbor had done, not according to what other people had done. We must all give an answer and account for ourselves for what we have done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It's a thought for the day. It's not what we consider usually to be a good thought for the day. We like to think nice thoughts, good thoughts, that will set us on our path for the day with a spring in our step and a, and a smile on our faces and perhaps a song in our hearts. But we mustn't forget the terrible times that are ahead. We mustn't forget that God has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by his son, the righteous judge. The Jesus that stood and cast out these demons from the man by the lake. He is one day going to judge the entire world but we won't be there if we love the lord jesus and if we have confessed our sin to him and if he has forgiven us and we have placed our faith in him and we are trusting him to be our savior and to be our lord he's paid the price for our sins we won't be judged at this great white throne judgment seat we will be Enjoying eternity with him. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. I wouldn't even try to make suggestions. I leave that to your imaginations. But let us pray and thank him for the fact that we will not be at this terrible judgment seat. Almighty God, how we thank you for the world that you created We read earlier that you created everything. Everything that has been created was created by you, invisible and visible, in heaven and on earth. And we thank you, Lord, that you placed us, created us and placed us in this amazing world. And your desire is for us to live for you here and to think about you and to worship you and to praise you and to love each other and to love our neighbor. And Lord, we realize we don't always do that the way we should. And so we pray, ask your forgiveness, and pray that your Holy Spirit who lives within us will enable us to be better at this. Lord, may we look at your word each day. May we study your word and may your Holy Spirit teach us from its pages, leading us into all truth. The truth that we need to know about. But we want to begin this day again by thanking you, the Lord Jesus, for being our sacrifice, our propitiation. Thank you, Father. And we pray that as day passes on to another day, we will be anticipating your return to take us to be with you in heaven. In the meantime, Lord, may we bring you glory in all that we do and all that we say. For we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.